Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, following the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality, coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome once again to Strange Planet. Great to have you here. Thanks for sticking me in your ear. I just finished uh, a podcast. It was uh, kind of the second of two parts. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I interviewed a flat earther. David Weiss, Flat Earth Dave. Seems like a nice fellow. Had a great uh, sort of multimedia presentation. Anyway, so I just finished with part two, which was with a gentleman by the name of Mike Toon, who came on to debunk Dave Weiss, kind of point by point. But that flat earth subject is, um, you know, in this arena where we we delve into conspiracies and the paranormal and the unexplained, there are like three, in the pantheon, I would say, there are, are three big subjects. One is flat earth. One, of course, is JFK, the assassination. And the other one is this legend that Paul McCartney died um, in a uh, in a car crash back in uh, November of 1966 after storming out of a recording session for uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And um, it's amazing that uh, that legend, absent the internet, took root and just spread like wildfire beginning in about 1969 with a, uh, a call uh, to a Detroit area uh, radio DJ. And it's still with us. Uh, it has cap- continues to capture the imagination of millions of, mm-hmm. uh, of Beatle fans. And um, my good friend, uh, Don Jeffries, has just uh, waded into these waters uh, as well. He's got a, a brand new book. And uh, it's called From Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, a Billy Shear story, co-authored by Bob Wilson. And uh, even I was honored to be asked to contribute a, a chapter. Don Jeffries, welcome once again. How are you, my friend? Hey, Richard. It's, it's always great to talk with you. So what, um, what led you to, uh, to enter the fray? I mean, this like the flat earthers and like JFK and like the UFO community. I mean, uh, it can get very, very contentious and heated. I mean, if you don't sort of, uh, sing from the same choir book, I mean, you can be shunned and, and ostracized and yeah. sometimes even threatened with bodily harm. Well, you know, this, this book was, it's really Bob Wilson's idea. Bob Wilson, you know, is a huge Beatles fan and, uh, Excuse me, he used to have a Beatles podcast. He still has one off and on. He's looking for a new home for that. He knows a lot of these uh, people. He's interviewed people with wings and um, things like that. He uh, So this was his baby. And of course, I, I'm a huge Beatles fan as well. I know much more about the Beatles than the average person, but I've met a lot of people doing this who I, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't compete with because there, you know, there's people like Jude Kessler I was talking with last night that, uh, has, is write, writing like a nine-part series on John Lennon, and every book is about a thousand pages. I mean, she's basically, you know, she wrote the forward. She wrote the forward to this. Yes, and, yes, and she, she did. She's yeah. a brilliant writer. Yes, she is, and she's. Uh, but those are the kind of people that get involved. In this they, 
they take what, you know, I, I love the Beatles and I, I never get tired of watching them, especially because they were, a, they were a visual group as well as, you know, they just, they just, you know, had that look and it was a unique look. They're still fun to look at. And they, they had the charisma of the Marx brothers. So hard day's night is still a, a, a wonderful film to watch. So I never grow tired of that, but I can't compete with some of this minutia. And uh, so what we, the idea was because um, just to, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, giving away any secrets, but uh, you know, I don't, neither Bob or I believe that Paul is dead. I mean, I, you know, I just, I don't want to put any spoilers out, but, uh, but I present, I put the evidence in there in, in the part I wrote uh, just to show why maybe some people think this. And then there are a lot of questions there, you know, that really make you think. And uh, even the origin of where, where exactly did this come from? And um, certainly I've always wondered and just analyzing the Beatles. Now, John is, John has always been, you know, my favorite Beatle by far. And I kind of am not as interested in McCartney. I kind of looked at him as a lightweight, especially in his, his uh, solo career. So, I'm receptive to something like that. If somebody tells me, because I think, well, yeah, God, he did put some really, you know, stuff that did. Well, I don't think was up to par as a, as a solo artist. So could this have been a different person? But then you get into how do you find somebody that looks exactly like him, that can sing exactly like him, can write songs and whoever, you know, if, if McCartney was replaced, the new guy wrote, you know, a long and winding road and, you know, people, things like that, that I think are incredible pieces work. <clears throat> so, um, Left-handed bass player, you know, is is this, you're getting into, you know, areas of infinitesimal possibilities. So, but again, I'm open-minded. So I, uh, I um, thought it would be interesting. And to be honest with, you know, it, it, so that's why we asked a bunch of celebrities and people can see what they think. And, you know, I have my little contingent of people like Susan Olsen from the Brady Bunch played Cindy and Sally Kirkland and actress and Bob has wings people. And we had somebody from the Love and Spoonful and uh, people like yourself, um, you know, just a, a lot of people, John Barber, of course, our, our friend, and uh, just to give their opinions on it, where they found out about it, and what they think of the Beatles in general. Did anyone, uh, I mean, I've, I've read most of it, but I uh, don't recall, did anybody actually believe that McCartney might be a replacement? <laughs> well, I don't want to give that away, but okay. I, I, what I, but, but there, um, I did get someone to present the other side. And there was at least one other person that was on the fence. Mm. Okay. But yeah, you're right. The, the vast majority of it kind of support. Well, you know, I guess, especially in that celebrity world, you know, most celebrities are uh, really into groupthink. you know, you know how that is. And so uh, that's kind of to go to co, especially if you're any, anyway, associated with the music business to come out and, and say that McCartney was replaced, you know, that's, that's a pretty you know, <laughs> bold move to make, you know? So, uh, and we had to be careful because I know, I know the Beatles are litigious. And so uh, <clears throat> I'm not saying I like when I talk about anything, I, I don't know anything, but I think it's pretty obvious if you read my thoughts, what, what I think about it. Right. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty, well, I'm not going to tell any tales out of school. Uh, I mean, I've talked about this on the program before and like you, uh, the idea that, you know, that they managed to find someone as talented. I mean, I actually would, would differ a little bit. I think some of his solo work, particularly um, an album like um, Chaos and Creation in the Backyard, which came out in 2005, I think is almost as good as anything he did, um, say, l later stages of the Beatles. I don't know if you've heard that album, but it's, no, it's terrific. Uh, so for them to be able to find 
a left-handed bass player. I'm glad you mentioned that because that gets overlooked. Uh, yeah. Who you know who looked enough like him to pass, and who was still able to, you know, was an absolute tunesmith. It's a pretty tall order. You know what's yeah. fascinating though, because I do love to talk about it, even though I don't buy into it. But it's it's a wonderful parlor game, and and everyone mm-hmm. likes to look for clues and things like that. Yep. But what's it's the, it's it's almost a, an interesting sociological psychological study of how something like this has endured, but even more so, as I said in the introduction, how it began in the absence of the internet. It's very difficult to start a rumor, you know, and have it live on. Talk to me a little bit about that. What do you think is that was that work there? Well, yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how these things got started in those days, but I was a little kid and I remember suddenly like one day, uh, I was at PE or something, and one of the, one of the boys uh, who, who was kind of a popular kid uh, just started talking about this, and uh, I had never heard it, and but it just kind of spread like wildfire, very briefly, you know, a week or so, and that's pretty much the way it was. It it, it really took hold quickly. Uh, they had radio shows about it and everything, and but it did. But now, of course, now it endures decades later. But I think that's because. And I, I don't know where that kid heard it from. I don't know where. I, I, I suspect maybe he read an article or heard it on a radio show. Because the one thing I think that uh, <clears throat> I don't think can be denied, both Bob and I both think the clues are there. There are clues there. And yeah. I, you know, I, I know the Beatles would deny it. So I'm not saying that the Beatles, but I don't know who put the clues there. But to me, I think it's pretty obvious. I, mean, for, I just give you one infer- uh, <clears throat> in, in, uh, example that uh, McCartney, I think when it was they were uh, – how oh, was it when I'm 64? There's a video for one of the songs, I think, in Magical Mystery Tour. And um, McCartney has a black rose. Yes. And all the rest of them had red roses. And and he later it was addressed later. And they said, well, it's because we ran out of red roses. But the problem is, you can see as they're walking around, McCartney and all of them are throwing all these roses all around everywhere. They had tons of extra roses. So uh, I don't think that explanation holds. Pat, the same thing for the famous uh, Abbey Road cover. Yes. When McCartney is, uh, you know, the, the, for those not familiar, it's uh, McCartney is supposed to be the corpse because he's doesn't he's not wearing shoes, and uh, Lennon's supposed to be the preacher, and uh, George is the grave digger, and I guess is Ringo the audience or something. I don't know, or, or something like that. But um, but McCartney obviously the focus is on him, but his he actually addressed it later, and his explanation makes no sense because he said I was wearing sandals and it was really hot that day, so you took off your sandals so the the, the road. The asphalt would burn your feet more. I mean, so that so I don't know if they were playing into it by doing that, but and people grasp hold of that. And you have people, you know, Lenin himself, especially, who was vehemently, you know, denied it a couple of times and said, This is ridiculous, how stupid, you know, people believing this stuff. But then he played around with the fans too, and in, in, in the Glass Onion, you know, he says, you know, here's another clue for you all. The Walrus was Paul. So he's still throwing that out there. Right, right. You know, so so, you know, I I I don't uh and, and also, and how do you sleep? And his, his attack on McCartney, you know, he says those freaks was right when they said you were dead. So he's still, I mean, he's kind of poking fun at it, but he's still mentioning it. So I, I think that for whatever reason, maybe it was a public relations thing, but it, it sure worked as a kid. I, I can tell you because uh, at that point I was little and I'd kind of gotten over because I wasn't sophisticated musically enough, but I, and I still love the early Beatles. That's Beatle main. That's what I love still. But you know, the, the, the you know, the, the pop stuff, but um, they'd cut and got kind of gotten out of it. So I had kind of stopped buying their records as, as kind of, I was still a little kid. So, but that rejuvenated my interest hearing this. So if it was a public relation campaign that worked with me, I don't know how many others. 
It worked indeed. Well, the, the fact that we really can't definitively pin down how it started, um, and as I mentioned, you know, without the internet, unless you have like the machine behind you uh, feeding yeah. that, it's hard to imagine how that would have endured. I mean, yeah. there are some rumors that um, somebody wrote about it in a, well, I don't know if it's a rumor. It's actually, I think it was true. It was written about in one of the, uh, a, a, a college newspaper, I think in Iowa. Yes. Someone penned an article on it. And then, but that, that person claims, well, but it wasn't my work. It was based on something that someone else told me that he heard out on the West coast. And it's, yeah. it is, it's like you mentioned the glass onion. It's like an onion. You start peeling away the layers and, and there's just layers. There's no onion. Well, and, and, and one of the people we talked to was Fred LaBeouf, uh, you know, that uh, Bob talked to, who is generally given credit for uh, inventing, but, the, but then there are stories of it being before him. And he also got the idea by listening to someone call into a radio station and talking about it. So it was out there and he's credited with inventing a lot of the clues or noticing the clues. Cause again, he didn't invent them. He didn't put them on the record covers. So uh, he noticed these things like with, with, and you can see in the back cover of the book, you know, we have McCartney's uh, in the blue coat facing, you know, his back. I mean, there's, it's possible you could do that, but it's, it's interesting that McCartney's the one they chose to have it. And that was, again, when people were really starting to notice these clues. And, of course, if you look at the uh, the bass you know, on the cover of uh, Sgt. Pepper's, you know, their most famous album, iconic cover with all the, you know, the pictures of people and so forth. And and there's a, at the bottom is a, a bass that's made out of a funeral wreath. Yes. You know, and so it's, you know, I, I, I don't know what that means, but it certainly seems like... Uh, there were lots of clues there people could have noticed. And again, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm not saying this because I don't think this happened. It would have been incredibly, even someone like me who, you know, I, I, I listened to John Armstrong's Harvey and Lee theory, you know, that there were two Oswalds from the time they were kids, you know, he's got a lot of evidence for it, but it would take something, almost something like that where you, you found somebody that was an exact duplicate and kind of kept them for some reason, because it's, you know, why would, Rock stars die all the time. I mean, from Buddy Holly and all, all, all the people, even during that era, that died. And I don't think it ever occurred to anybody to, to replace them with a duplicate. So it's it's it, but it's it's an interesting theory, and people are still talking about it. Uh, I just want to, if I might, I want to just share a little bit of the foreword here by Jude Sutherland Kessler. You mentioned her, and she's the uh, yes. the author of the Lennon series. And uh, she, uh, do you mind if I read a little bit here? No, of course. Please okay, see. she writes in their book. The Walrus Was Ringo, noted authors Alan Clayson and Spencer Lee wryly comment, quote, a habit of reading hidden meanings in record grooves left the runway when the music of certain pop stars was elevated from ephemera to holy writ. This was, of course, during the time that Roy Orbison called the crazy late 60s when it got real weird. Politics, music, fashion, everything went crazy, sort of. A classic example was the man who was so obsessed with amazing or analyzing Bob Dylan lyrics in order to prove that Dylan's stimulant intake affected his muse, that the researcher placed a wanted advertisement in a New York underground magazine for a Dylan urine sample. <laughs> so that's, that really kind of sums it up, doesn't it? That, that, that yeah. people imbue so much um, meaning in these musical artists, uh, I don't know. Uh, just yeah, and, and, and Jude, Jude is talking there about uh, A.J. Weberman, who uh, I've communicated with several times and very, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure how sane he is, but he's an interesting character. 
and he um, he was the first garbologist. And he ah. he was so he was obsessed with Dylan to the extent that he was going through his trash, and uh, he still is. If you he's my Facebook friend, and some of the stuff he's written, I mean, he just comes up with the call, calling Dylan a Holocaust denier, this ridiculous stuff that has no basis in reality. But he's obsessed with the guy. But he also co-wrote a book on the a very good book on the JFK assassination coup d'état in America with the late Michael Canfield. So he kind of that's why I had an interest in him because he's from that world as well. So. Right. There are other people like that that kind of uh, have different interests, but um, yeah, and and certainly Dylan. For somebody, I was a huge, a huge Dylan fan, even even bigger than the Beatles. When I became sophisticated enough, I really gravitated to him. And as an aspiring poet and writer and songwriter, I just you know was obsessed with his lyrics myself. So I could understand people trying to think, what was he talking about there? You know, uh, at midnight, all the agents and the superhuman crew and heart attack machines and you know Desolation Row alone. Just listening to that, it's like you know. It really, uh, you know, warmed the cockles of the young conspiracy theorist's heart. Yes. You know? yeah. so, so I can understand why uh, pe people, and, the same, and with the Beatles, of course, you had the, uh, it was a little bit on a different level because they weren't writing those kinds of lyrics, uh, I don't think, not to that well, they level. weren't political, no, not at all. No, no, but so, I mean, Lennon became, but then once Lennon became, I think he became the focus of, but it's, it's interesting that uh, it, it was Paul because most of the people that, uh, you know, that, that they started this rumor about, but yeah, it's, so that's why, you know, we wanted, we wanted to do the book because we think that there's still interest in it. We'll see, hopefully there is. And uh, certainly we got a lot of people that, uh, that are renowned in some way in music and entertainment that were interested enough to answer our questions. From Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, a Billy Shears story, uh, Donald Jeffries co-authored by Bob Wilson. Just explain the Billy Shears reference if you could. Well, Billy Shears is the guy, and again, he's, uh, I think, also known as William Campbell. Um, he's usually referred to by people uh, as Fall, fake Paul. So they call him Paul, not Fall. You know, and they say, look at the difference between, look at Paul's ears versus Fall's ears. And they'll they'll analyze these photographs. Very similar, again, to the way people analyze photographs of Lee Harvey Oswald. It reminded me of that. You know, very subtle little differences. And if you look at anything close enough, you know, maybe you can see it. But uh, Billy Shears was, was his name. And of course... Billy Shears is um, you know, is mentioned in the lyrics of of Sergeant Pepper, and he's it's it's uh, basically saying it's Ringo, basically in the lyrics. So I you know I I don't know if you believe the theory. The idea was that they're, it's hiding in plain sight. They decided to tell you, hey, we're going to throw his name out there. You know that's how obvious we're getting. But uh, I don't. And there of course there are people that I think you've seen. We didn't go into that in the book, but I've seen videos that talk about uh, whoever fall is Billy Shears, William Campbell, that they've uh, people went to his house because he's alive and, you know, asked him and he, he supposedly kind of gave, you know, really odd grin, you know, and just, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. Cause the, the, but he doesn't look like the guy that's McCartney now. So if that's Billy Shears, I, I don't, so I don't, it's got a lot of intricacies to the theory and like all theories, they don't, they don't necessarily explain everything. Cause I don't know who that guy was. It's clearly not McCartney. Or right. the fake McCartney, if you're saying that, but uh, so, but it's it's got a lot of elements to it, and that's generally speaking is what they refer to. That that's the guy who replaced him, and supposedly, I think initially, their explanation was he was the winner of a McCartney lookalike contest. And if that's the case, yeah, I could see why he won. <laughs> I don't think you could get anybody that could look more like him than he does. Don, we'll take a quick time out, come back, and continue to discuss the uh, the legend of Paul is dead. 
It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we are back with Don Jeffries. He's got a brand new one. It's called From Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, a, Bill, a Billy Shears story, co-authored by Bob Wilson, uh, examining the whole Paul is dead legend. And, uh, of course, Don, also known for his uh, terrific research with the JFK assassination, and he is uh, the author of a number of other terrific books, On Borrowed Fame, Hidden History, uh, The Unreals, which is a work of fiction, uh, Survival of the Richest, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, and uh, Bullyocracy. And um, uh, we were talking about uh, who Billy Shear was. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, I, one of the one of the questions that uh, gets addressed, you know, where you're asking the various contributors whether they ever played any of these songs backwards. Yeah. Because that's, that's, I mean, everyone was looking for clues, right? They were sitting in their mm -hmm. basement in the dark playing these uh, albums uh, backwards at the wrong speed, looking for clues. Did you ever do that? Um, no, I didn't because I was, um, you know, I, well, maybe I tried, I, I, but I don't, I don't remember doing it that much again, because I, I had an, an interest in it very briefly, like I said, because of that kid that, that, at PE that started talking about it. And it, it, I was excited for, but I couldn't, you know, if the, if the internet had been around, yeah, I would have been online and checking everything I knew, but the, there was no way, you know, there, I didn't hear of any radio programs that discuss it. It wasn't being talked about on TV. It wasn't in the newspaper. So it was one of those things where, and all my Beatle records were, I think, you know, the last Beatle, at that time, the last Beatle record I bought was something new, the third album. So um, I didn't have any, you know, updated records, anything that would have these clues on it. So uh, and it wasn't, but later I heard about it again, because I think that that was the first instance that we would hear uh, to some degree when people started talking about, uh, satanic influences and Led Zeppelin and, and groups like that, where I think they claim that some of those, although I don't know, you need to play them backwards or not, but uh, some of them they would claim you uh, you played backwards and said I was Sir Satan and things. I started hearing those kinds of things, and uh, that's when I realized, okay, they were saying that stuff about the Beatles too. But I know I never tried uh, to uh, to listen to them that way. Um, I really started to delve into this when I befriended. Um, a gentleman, a regular on Coast to Coast, or kind of a rock historian by the name of R. Gary Patterson, who um, passed away, ironically, on um, May 26, 19, or 2017, exactly 50 years to the day that Sgt. Pepper's was released. I think that was yeah. in the UK that was released on that date. And uh, he, he, would, he wrote a book as well. It was called The, um, uh, the Walrus Was Paul, I think the, was the name of the book. And at that examining the whole legend as well and like you know you didn't buy into it but was fascinated by it but uh, he used to walk me through all the clues on sergeant pepper and and he would take this straight edge razor uh, sorry straight edge mirror and place it um right along the uh, the middle of the bass drum there and uh the writing on the bass drum, which had Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, when you looked in the mirror, it gave you supposedly the date that Paul died. Yeah. Uh, November 9th, 1966. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so elaborate that, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I believe that, I don't believe Paul died, but I, I, I certainly think there's a great deal of credence to the argument that they knew that this was a, a stunt. Maybe they, maybe later they felt a little guilty about it. Maybe... They felt mm -hmm. badly. I don't know if anyone ever, you know, when after Elvis died, there were people that killed themselves. I don't know if 
yeah. if uh, that happened when, when this rumor came out and whether they, uh, they felt really bad about it. But I think it was, I think they played into it for sure, the clues. Well, it certainly seems like it because I, I don't know, again, I don't know how, especially like, I, you know, just from what I know of Lennon, and again, he's one of my idols. Uh, he, he seems to have that kind of, uh, he had had that kind of part of his personality where he would have gotten a kick out of doing something like that. I think you know, kind of fooling people. And plus he was a, you know, for someone who was an anti-capitalist, he was a brilliant showman and a brilliant promoter. And uh, so I, I can see him cooking this up and, and talking McCartney into doing it. And, uh, but again, I don't know. And, but certainly late, uh, later you had, um, uh, and I've tried to get a hold of the guy and he's a filmmaker that oh, I can't think of the guy's name. And I talked about him in the book, but he made a, uh, a couple other political movies. I think he was been a guest on Alex Jones before, but he made it, he wrote a book and, and put out a tape that's supposed to be the last will and Testament of George Harrison. I think you've heard that. And where George says, you know, somebody pretty much, I think impersonating George says all these things about how we had to do it and everything, but it's, uh, there's that out there. It's interesting. And then you had a whole joke thing about uh, some guy wrote a, and we, we talked, I think we, we mentioned in the book as well, um, Ringo saying the same kind of things, how he you know, had to do that. So, so it's been, and McCartney has joked about it, you know, and uh, I think David Letterman asked him about it one time. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, and I guess at this point, if, if this was, if this was something they had planned and they did it all in there, I don't, maybe they're too embarrassed to, admit i don't know why personally i think you know i don't think any it, it would put any put any bad publicity on them i think people would finally say okay well we understand it was an, an elaborate joke and maybe some people would get a kick out of it but it doesn't look like they're ever going to admit it if in fact they uh did do it uh during the research for the book and and uh and so forth is there a is there one particular clue that you find you know maybe the most fascinating or or the coolest clue of all is there one you could point to well um i think the the way you know the in all these things it's basically group photos and mccartney is singled out for something he's he's turning with his back to the camera which is very strange i mean these are these are rock stars they want their face out there on sergeant pepper and mccartney certainly has a big ego so I, that'd be odd but i, I think that the the Abbey Road because that that has so many clues that you mentioned the date people read a license tag on one of the cars in the background that's it's it's not quite but almost the date I think of the alleged wreck you know and so uh there's, so there's those kind of, but McCartney I think walking across barefoot uh, it seems okay odd enough but then to me his explanation that you know it was too it was so hot he had to kick his sandals off then I then it would the pavement would be hotter on your feet I don't. To me, that doesn't, that's no explanation. So I don't know why he said that, but so that is probably my favorite clue simply because when I look at that, the explanation he gave and he did address it to me makes no sense. Right. Right. Um, seems to me also, I, again, I'm, I'm, um, recalling my many conversations with the late R. Gary Patterson on the Sgt. Pepper's album. There is a, uh, a bass guitar with only three strings instead yes. of four. Yeah. So indicating that one of them is missing. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's, and that's, it's, that's, how, that's how closely people look. You said you know, people put the mirror up in, into the, in the middle of the base and supposedly saw the bit date in the, in the, in the mirror backwards. And um, I mentioned about the base. Why well, that's another one. It's probably tied, I think, to me, 
there's a funereal aspect to that Sergeant Pepper cover. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it looks like they're at somebody's funeral. To me, I mean, I just, I, and it's because of the this central focus at the bottom is this huge bass guitar that's in a funereal, you know, funeral wreath, and it's bass, and, you know. So is that? I don't know. So it certainly lends credence. And of course, you had the, uh, I don't know if it's a cover, the, the hand over uh, Paul's head, which somebody, I think, I think the guy Fred Labouf made up that it was the walrus symbol of death. I don't, I, but it probably isn't. But he he said he made that up. But uh, still, it's interesting though that that, that they had, and then of course. What happens, you know, they have the song, I am the walrus and, 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 um, uh, Lennon says, here's a clue, the clue for you, all the walrus was Paul. So they're playing along with it. So they're kind of stringing people along. And, uh, I, I can see why it drags. I don't, I don't quite understand. And I had people can read in the book. I have a guy that, uh, that is, uh, very, you know, very up to on this. And I gave him, you know, his, he had several pages to expound on it and say why he believes. So people can get the other side there. And I make a few points that I think are, you know, are, are kind of interesting. But, um, you know, there's there's other people like Jim Fetzer, who's uh, who I know. And but who's I just didn't want I think he's a little bit too. I just didn't you know, we, we didn't want to include him because I think he would have taken over the book probably. But he uh, he obviously knows the subject uh, very well. But he's you know, he, he's one of those people you're going to talk about that's going to argue with you. You know, the, no, no, this is definitely, you know, and he, he'll tell you which one is fall and which one is Paul. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I didn't really want to get into that, but I, uh, this other guy was, I think presented the case pretty well. And, uh, so people can, can read it in there. And I hope people that, uh, that do believe it will still be interested in reading it. And, and people who don't will just be, cause it also talks about, you know, uh, it's not just the Paul is dead thing. It's, it's, that's kind of the focus of the book, but, uh, it's, these celebrities you know to hear people like Cindy Brady, little Cindy Brady, Susan Ellis, people like that. What the, um, you know, what the impact of the Beatles was on their lives. John Probus, who played Timmy on Lassie, people like I, I think, you know, saw them all the time in concert. Um, you know, not to, not many of us can say that. No. You know? <laughs> but, but uh, so uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see because these were these were people that were already famous for the most part, your child stars and whatever, and uh, they're you know I. Uh, the reason I think about the Beatles and I wrote on Bard fame and I talked a lot about the Beatles in the book, because I still think that, you know, having written a book about fame and, and understanding the subject because you know, fame is a very weird thing. You know, there's so many degrees of fame as I, I define fame basically as, you know, uh, if you're famous, if you, if a good number of people, I don't know how many qualify, know who you are that you don't know. And, and so people like you, people like me would qualify in that regard because there are lots of people we don't know who know who we are. Right, right. So, so but I think if you look at that hierarchy of fame, I think at least in, the, in, in certainly in my lifetime, I think the Beatles are the most famous, famous people that ever lived. That's yeah. what I believe. Yeah. You, you definitely um, could argue that for sure. We'll take another quick time out. Don Jeffrey stays with us. And uh, the brand new book, on the uh, Paul is Dead legend from Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, a Billy Shear story co-authored by Bob Wilson. The truth will set you free, free, free. But first, it will really tick you off. 
Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. From Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, a Billy Shearer story, Bob Wilson, and uh, the co-author Don Jeffries is here. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's uh, let's plug the uh, the Substack, uh, shall we? You still doing the Substack? Yeah. So absolutely, and that's uh, that's the only place I'm not shadow banned. And it's uh, I actually have a good number of paid subscribers now. So people want to support me. You don't have to. Everything's there for free. I'm a populist, so I don't give you. I don't have a paywall or anything. But a lot of people have been kind enough to support me. So. Either way, uh, you can read what I write there regularly, and I write there regularly, donaldjeffries.substack.com. It's called I Protest, like the name of my uh, weekly radio show on rockfin.com. All right. Interesting. Um, in the uh, the book, the brand new book, From Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, there's a, uh, there's a, um, <clears throat> a, uh, a QR code in the book. Yeah. Can you explain what that's all about? Yeah, you know, that was, uh, I think that came from Jude. And uh, Bob, you know, Bob wanted to include. I, I don't. I, you, you have. I, I think I explained in the book what it is. I really. I don't. I'm not an expert on QR codes, so I'm not. I'm not great about that. But I. There's something where if you put the QR code up, to, I. I don't your know your phone, phone up to it. Yeah, yeah you put your, your phone, phone up yeah. to. It. Yeah. So, um, but uh, readers will see the, the note is in there, so you get the book and you you can figure out what if you can do anything with the QR code. But I, I don't pretend to be an expert on. It. I didn't quite understand it, but we included it because um you know she seemed she thought it was significant and she's she knows her stuff so uh yeah, qr uh, codes are all the rage i mean you see them yeah. you see them on uh posters now so a rock concert is coming to town they have a qr code on there you put your phone there and up on your phone goes to the internet and up pops where you can buy the tickets but i think here there's something uh, bob wilson interviewed bruce spicer Oh, that's what it is. You're right. You're right. I see. I should. I should have known that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Bruce Spicer, who's a who's a big name in the Beatles world, and uh, you could if you put if you put that uh, your phone up to the QR code, you have access to that. I think that audio interview, or something. I I, I believe you can you can yeah. find the link to it or something, so you can listen to that. Since we couldn't put an audio interview in the book, we could, but we didn't. You know, want to transcribe the entire thing, but that way you can hear the the interview. Uh, I know this is one of the things that you address in the book and you asked each of the contributors to talk about it, but let me get you from your perspective as someone who studied and researched and written about the JFK assassination. But one of the questions is, you know, because this Paul is dead legend obviously came out of the 1960s, 1969 basically is, is when it started. But what was it about that decade? Um, I mean, was it strictly JFK that led to all of this sort of conspiratorial thinking? I think so. Uh, you know, I, I've, you know, it's, it's a big cliche. It sounds cliche to say that, uh, that, you know, our innocence ended on November 22nd, 1963, but I think it did. I think if you look at America before the JFK assassination and afterwards, it's, you know, it's a huge, it's, it's a demarcation line. And I think that without the JFK assassination, first of all, I don't think RFK would have been killed. Definitely not. Probably not MLK. And the Vietnam War would have been far different because JFK was was already starting to pull us out. So the the 60s would have been completely different because they wouldn't have had all the anti-war marches. Uh, the counterculture, I'm not sure you would have had the counterculture because all that came out of the anti-war movement. So it's hard to say it would have been completely different. And the Beatles music, like everybody else, would, their, would they have gravitated to psychedelic music and, and drug influenced music. Cause I don't know if drugs would have been as predominant. 
and uh, certainly not anti-war. Either would you know re revolution? I doubt that John Lennon would have written revolution uh, if the sixties had been completely different. Uh, so you know, it's 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 hard to say exactly how it would have been, but I think yeah, I think it would have been completely different. And yeah, the Paul is dead thing. It it did it fit right in with because you know the JFK assassination was the first widespread, really widespread so-called conspiracy theory. And a lot of others definitely grew out of it. That counterculture that you, you speak of, and obviously a huge part of that was LSD. Uh, and my sort of limited understanding about LSD and how, you know, we had the Harvard ex experiments and the idea that possibly LSD was, was, um, the distribution and so forth was being controlled by the CIA. Yeah. They wanted to use it to uh, totally. basically to to suppress, uh, to placate the population, to prevent you know people protesting the Vietnam War. But then it ended up kind of backfiring because it it just it it led to the counterculture revolution and it it opened people's minds up uh, to all yeah. of this. So they kind of you know unleashed this genie. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, well, uh, the 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 rumor goes that Alan Dulles at one time was the largest uh, possessor of LSD in the world, and uh, you know they, they, we know the CIA was giving uh, they set up that uh, you know one of their many curious th things they did to study foreign intelligence, they set up a bordello in San Francisco, and uh, they would give the Johns LSD, and they would observe the effect they had on them, and, and, and before that they uh, they basically killed Dr. Frank Olson. Who was a CIA guy who jumped? He jumped or was pushed from a high building. His sons, I think, are still trying to get uh, restitution for that. So they were they were definitely. And we know now that Timothy Leary, like other people in this culture, was a, an asset of the CIA, as was Gloria Steinem. So a lot of the counterculture was was fake, as you would see now. So when people, it we, it's very much like our world today, where you can talk about January sixth and the FBI and undercover assets were there. Well, that goes back to the sixties when they were infiltrating the Black Panthers and the Ku Klux Klan and, and people like Timothy Leary and Gloria Steinem were, were on the government payroll. So yeah, it's, it's, um, LSD is, it's, and it's very, you know, if you look at the, the Beatles and I, I, and again, I love John Lennon. He's, he's, I, I think Lennon is, uh, could, he still was one of the greatest musical, but I think he would have been the greatest probably, but he was destroyed by a heroin addiction and, and first he was destroyed by LSD drugs really got to him much more so than McCartney. But the story is how he was introduced to LSD the way a lot of younger people in my generation were, and that was it was slipped to him. Uh, they they were him and Harrison were at a, a party at their dentist's house or something, and the dentist gave them LSD. I mean, and that's and that's what really what I hated about the drug culture when I first started discovering it is a uh, was so much um, like uh, larceny in it, where they were they were trying to trick people and slipping acid and LSD into people's drinks, which I just think is despicable but that's what you know what uh uh you know the guy that wrote uh one for the cook ken kesey yes uh you know he, that's what he wanted to do the merry pranksters they talked about putting lsd in the water supply so this was and again i don't know would any of that happened if you know kennedy hadn't been assassinated i'm not sure because I don't, I don't i don't know you know but uh, certainly i think that uh that played a part in it but it was a the 60s became what they were a, to a large degree because of all the drug use. Do you think Ken Kesey um, and people like Owsley Stanley, who supplied the Grateful Dead, he became the kind yeah. of sound engineer as well, but he, I mean, he was supplying LSD to everybody. 
you know, yeah. make it in his bathtub near Berkeley, I think. People like Owsley Stanley, maybe Bob Hunter, who was the lyricist for Grateful Dead, Ken Kesey, because they were the Grateful Dead were kind of the house band for the, the Merry Pranksters. They, they were all maybe controlled by the CIA? I, you know, that I don't know that I've been able to, to, to prove that, but it wouldn't surprise me because we know that was the, the CIA had uh, an agenda to do that. And again, if you, you look at, uh, I think, the two... The two greatest musical minds of uh, of my lifetime were John Lennon and Brian Wilson, and both of them were destroyed by drugs mm. to a great degree. and And they still put out an incredible amount of great music. But just imagine if they had, you know, if if they had been able to stay relatively clean. I can't I can't even imagine what kind of work might have come out of them. But so that's so I have a personal stake. I mean, just listening to Lennon, listening to his early stuff before he. It became uh, affected by it, and uh, certainly later, I think you know he was, he was affected too to a negative degree by by uh, getting involved with Yoko. But uh, it's yeah, I, I have a reason to be pissed off at people that were peddling these drugs because they got a lot of creative people and destroyed their creativity. Well, it's an it's an interesting area, you know, that the convergence of conspiracy and and rock and roll. Um, it's a it's a rich vein to be mined for sure, and uh, the new book on uh, the legend of Paul McCartney being killed in a car accident back in November of 1966, from Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, a Billy Shears story, co-authored by Bob Wilson and uh, Don Jeffries, uh, available at Amazon and uh, wherever good books are sold. And uh, what's coming up next for you, Don? Well, I have uh, my book on uh, COVID is coming. It's, it's 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 running neck and neck with the Beatles book. I don't neither one are out yet. You know, so uh, but oh, I can't say. I guess you're going to edit that out. Yeah. But uh, um, but uh, that'll be out very soon as well. And then I have a next uh, volume of Hidden History, maybe Hidden History Three. Uh, the publisher doesn't like that title, but it's going to be more on JFK, nine eleven, and going back to uh, Jefferson and Lincoln and all that. It'll kind of be a combination of Hidden History and Crimes and Coverups, but deeper diving into that, uh, you know, for people that are interested in knowing more. And right now with Bob Wilson and William Law, who's a, a great JFK assassination researcher, we're working on a book about uh, the Jim Garrison investigation as well, too. So I'm, I've got a lot of projects in the fire. Fantastic. DonaldJeffries.substack.com. DonaldJeffries.substack.com. And the blog is called I Protest. Don, great catching up with you again. Congratulations on the book. It's a good one. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for having me. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 